Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Sports Medicine on Tap. I'm Jason Kopech. We're down here for another beautiful evening once again at Neck of the Woods Brewing Company in Pittman, New Jersey. Dr. Frey, how are we doing so far? We're doing great. As long as you're not a Philadelphia sports fan, we're doing great. <laughs> oh, man, I know, I know. Uh, so this past weekend was tough, and we're going to start tonight off with just talking about how the Sixers went down to the Miami Heat. and Second game, round. Second again. round again, uh, even with the addition of James Harden. But the game didn't start out well, and when we saw Danny Green go down, we, we knew we were probably in trouble there. Right, right, yeah, yeah. And um, uh, sadly, the outlook is also right. not spectacular, right? Like, like, where is this going? We needed the expert again. We had to bring in the big guns for the ACL talk. Who'd right. you bring with you tonight? We welcome back Dr. Brad Bernardini. Thanks for coming back. Happy to be here, guys. It's been a little bit of, uh, of a hiatus since you've been on with us. Yeah, I thought I did something wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Performing too well. <laughs> <laughs> Doc, we had you on, uh, it was episode 14 and 15 when we had a kind of two-part discussion about the ACL. Was it? Yeah. 14, 14 15? Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Seriously. I'm sorry about that, man. <laughs> it does. Now I realize it has been a while. I think I said something to Steve lately. I was like, you know, I, I've <laughs> no. been bad. You guys are right. Sorry okay. about that, man. All right. Well, so Steve jinxed it is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> you saw the clip now at this point, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. What were your initial thoughts on that? Unfortunately, again, mm -hmm. classic mechanism, I think, mm -hmm. where the knee gets kind of pushed you know so it looked like happened is his uh his ankle kind of rolled under him which unfortunately prevented him from being able to pivot out of the the mechanism and then as indeed came down on the inner kind of the the front inside part of his leg yeah. it pushed his shin bone back and uh there was a rotational component to it pushed it back and to the side so he got forced into like this like uh bow leg position with yeah. his ankle like rolled underneath of him yeah it's a perfect description yeah and there was nowhere for his leg to go and big guys banging like that yeah. a lot of energy and it was pretty clear that right away he was in a, in a bad way right. it was trouble I, I would love to ask you uh from my point of view when i watched him in agony on the uh on the court I, I remember I actually texted Steve right away. I was yeah. like, well, I guess we got our topic. Right. I, I wasn't even sure it was ACL because did you notice the way he kept looking at it? Like, I, I, I thought- Athletes do strange things when I they get I thought hurt. it was gonna be like this. I thought there was gonna be like an open dislocation, like the fear in his eyes. Well, well it probably felt like that. And that's, what, that's what I was hoping you could touch yeah, on. Yeah, it probably like, felt you know? like that to him. So just to kind of bring everybody up to speed, what we what we understand is, is happened at this point is that he's got an ACL tear, mm -hmm. which we've talked about, mm -hmm. and we're not necessarily gonna get back into that um, as a, a kind of a main topic. Entity on its own. And he, yeah, and he's also got an LCL tear. LCL is lateral, lateral ligament. Which makes this kind of unique, right? Yeah, makes yeah. it kind of unique. And that is, you know, two, of the four main ligaments in the knee. So that's right. gonna make your knee feel pretty yeah. pretty unstable. I mean, it's bad enough with having an ACL tear and then you add that to it and yeah. it probably did feel like he was dislocating. Yeah. And that actually is one of the concerns with this type of an injury, right? Like really bad injury to the knee could be a knee, not knee cap, not patella dislocation, but a knee dislocation, yeah. which is dramatic. That's like, really right, bad. Like, yeah, right. that's, yeah. that's why I was really like, was it a patellar dislocation? Just, he had this knee sleeve on too. Yeah, like it was hard to see. So I was like, I don't know if he sees something that the camera's not picking up, but right. I mean, he was just flopping around. And he, yeah. So he's looking at it like he would he would sit up, look at it, lay back down. Yeah, I thought it was going to be something completely different at that point. You know, right. the fact that it was Embiid falling into him doesn't help, right? Yeah. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but but you know, could Embiid be associated with more injuries? I, you know, it's bad yeah. enough that unfortunately he's got yeah. a list of his own. I then, know. And then, unfortunately, he's involved in this for, for another player. But Right. He falls 
all over the court. Well, it's really, it's, it's incredible. We talk about, you know, we've talked about the injury prone right. athlete for sure. before. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, sometimes that involves other athletes yeah. with that same player. And that, that doesn't, he's phenomenal, right? He's a, he's a great player. And talking to Embiid right now, yeah. just getting off topic a tiny bit. Like, like you know, I think, at least I, I know um, in this area, in this region, a lot of people felt as though Embiid should have won and was going to win the MVP. He didn't, but, mm. but he did have that kind of a year, right? And, and to his credit, he played, you know, played the whole year. And that was sort of the knock on him the year before. But I agree. There yeah. is that injury bug that always pops yeah, up and it seems to involve. Yeah, we so you know we had a couple of kids on our football team in college. We it, you know, it was it was clear that you wanted to actually stay a little bit away from them. There were people who were like a little you, <laughs> you know like crazy legs and you don't no. want to get too close and crazy legs. Yeah, so I, you know it's it's tough. It's yeah. that's all that's all uh, something you can't quantify. That's right. not the science. That's right. In episode 14, we, we talked a lot about the anatomy and physiology of the ACL. So we, we don't have to get into that tonight. We can save a little bit of time. Yeah. But why don't we talk about the LCL specifically here? So the, the LCL, again, lateral collateral ligament. And, um, you know, the interesting thing is that's the way they report it. But in reality, what we've found is there's this whole complex of ligaments. There's actually a muscle and a tendon unit that helps support the outside, the back outside part of the leg. Mm-hmm. What's that uh, called? Knee. It's called the posterior lateral corner. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about the posterior lateral corner, we generally are referring to three things, even though there's a handful of other small structures and there's some anatomic variants that we don't need to get into. But it's the LCL. It's the popliteus tendon. So there's a muscle that comes out the back of the calf and wraps around the outside and attaches very close to where the LCL inserts. And then there's a little ligament that goes from like the muscle tendon junction of that popliteus muscle to the outside uh, part of the, the knee bone they call the fibula, which is the smaller part of uh, smaller bone on the outside part of the knee. And those three structures are generally the ones that we think about when we are, are thinking about this from a structural integrity standpoint. Those are the three structures that we generally reconstruct when we're fixing these. And so those are the things that are important and what they do and how they prevent, you know, certain yeah. abnormalities of movement in the knee. Yeah, sure. So there's arcuate ligament, there's, um, there's uh, the, the, the joint capsule in the back there. So yeah. a, a few other structures that are in the back there that basically prevent the knee from opening to the outside, yeah. that kind of bow leg that force. Bow leg, yeah. And in addition to that, there's a little bit of that bow leg slash rotational component yeah. to it on the outside that it kind of preventing some of that little extra external rotation. Yeah. If and you put if you put your legs straight and you and you you twist your your toes to the outside, that's that's called external, external rotation. And that's that's one of the things that the that yeah. posterior lateral corner resists. So you know, the, at the most basic level, trying to think about it, if you think about a rope that goes from the end of your thigh bone to the top of your shin bone that's on the outside of your leg, that rope is going to prevent that outside from opening up. And if that rope is torn, then it's going to open. There are some LCL, lateral collateral ligament injuries that, you know, just the LCL. They're much less common, but it really, does... Really, uncommon, really uncommon. Really yeah. uncommon, yeah. And 20, but, 25%. But, but it does occasionally happen. And in those scenarios, they typically don't tend to be too bad of injuries, more of a grade one, grade two type injuries. And lots of times you can get away potentially non-opting them or not doing surgery on them heal in. Yeah. get it to heal in. However, frequently those injuries happen in conjunction with an additional ligament. Yeah. And in this particular situation, it's one of those scenarios where the ACL tears 
and the LCL slash posterolateral corner yeah. tears. Now, if you just address the ACL, you don't address the posterolateral corner, it tends to pretend poor outcomes. Yeah. People don't do well. In fact, I remember that being, I don't know if you remember this, Steve, that was one of our board's questions on, um, on our orthopedic board's test was, you know, what is the number one cause of a failed ACL reconstruction? Right. And it was if you missed a posterior lateral corner injury. Right. So that excessive out. motion after an ACL surgery, if you don't support that posterior lateral corner by fixing it, that excessive motion eventually will wear out your ACL graft. Right. Right. Why does this injury seem so unique in that we hear more about the ACL MCL combination, but we don't hear as many uh, instances where there's an ACL LCL. And there's one specific Philadelphia athlete former Philadelphia yeah. athlete I have in mind. That's really like the last yeah. big one I can think about. His mechanism was weird. We're talking about Carson yeah. Wentz. Yeah. His mechanism was a little strange and he yeah. seemed to be planning and, and diving yeah. when he heard his. This mechanism that, that Danny had was, was kind of a classic mechanism. Yeah. I think the reason really is it's just practical. It's really rare to get hurt on the inside part of your knee. Yeah. To come from that side. To have somebody come from that side of your knee and, and cause a traumatic injury. Yeah. It can also happen from like a really aggressive hyperextension, but right. You know, most of the time athletes are getting hit on the outside part of the knee mm -hmm. and, and that's going to cause a buckling in, which is going to tear your MCL. And then the next thing in line after that is your ACL. And that's mm -hmm. why those two are in very commonly in combination. But it's really rare to have this this other mechanism of, of injury where you get hit from the inside of the knee. I mean, if you look at the video, it's straight. I mean, that, yeah. when's the last time you saw something right. like that happen? Yeah, it's it falls really in weird. that direction. Yeah, and it's really a weird position for somebody to be in and have a, enough force to overcome a ligament. Yeah. And it's not that like rare of an injury. It's, right. it's a little more unique, for mm -hmm. sure. But it's not that rare of an injury overall. Right. We do see them you know, with relative yeah. frequency. This injury occurring on Friday evening, how quickly does he get into surgery? Ah, that's a great question. So there's a couple schools of thought here. Specifically with an ACL, we'd like to let that initial inflammation phase settle down. It's been shown that if, if patients go into surgery stiff and swollen, they come out stiff and swollen, that can affect their long-term outcome. So generally, with a combo injury that involves an ACL, we want to let everything settle. Yeah. And we there, talked a lot about that in episode 15, if I recall, where we talked about the importance yeah. of prehab yep. and things right. like that. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, there's some people who would argue that with a posterior lateral corner injury, if you get in there quickly, you can repair, you can basically sew down all the stuff that's torn and that that may be the way to fix it. Those mop ends. Yeah, mop right. ends. And that's we well, <laughs> and that, yeah, that's the whole issue there is that you're repairing damaged or stretched tissue. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the studies that have looked at comparing that show that there's a higher likelihood of that tissue re-injuring down the line or having recurrent injury or instability in the future. And sometimes that tear, it's almost like like almost like a large chunk of tissue. Yeah. And, and it actually it's ugly like, when you get yeah. in. There. But if you get to it early, it's fairly defined and a little bit easier to say, oh, you know, this is it. And you can tack that back down right. and thus potentially avoiding the yeah. reconstruction portion of yeah. it. Yeah. So that's one school of thought that mm -hmm. you, if you get in early enough within the first three weeks, you can repair it mm -hmm. instead of reconstruct it. So the difference there being repair means you're fixing the tissue that's already there. You're putting it down with like little anchors and you're bringing it back down to where it came from, where it ripped versus a reconstruction where you're actually rebuilding ligaments with usually with grafts. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the outcomes comparing those two, it seems that the reconstruction has a more favorable outcome with regard to recurrent injury. So it's like 8% versus like 25 to 30% with a, with a repair. And that seems to be the kind of the trend with most of these injuries. You know, if you, if you try to repair them, a lot of them, you know, again, the tissue's not ideal. Whereas if you use a, a graft 
or some kind of reconstruction technique, it, it's healthier, strong, intact tissue, and you're basically reconstructing or rebuilding it. So I'm personally not doing repairs. Right. I'm, I'm not of that school of thought. I So I let them get through that acute inflammation phase. Yeah. And I uh, once they get full motion and they have reasonable resolution of swelling, I bring them in, I do it reconstruction of both ligaments. And it differs than the ACL MCL, which, which happens more commonly. Albeit the LCL has some healing potential. Once once it becomes this multi-lig injury, frequently you're gonna need to reconstruct it. With an ACL MCL, what happens lots of times is you can give the MCL time to scar in. It does, and it yeah, does pretty well. Be. And then you only have to address the ACL. Mm -hmm. With this one, you wanna get your motion back, you wanna do the other things, but pretty much every time in that scenario, yeah. especially if it's a higher grade, you're, you're doing both. You're not just doing the ACL, mm -hmm. you're doing the ACL and the LCL slash mm -hmm. And it probably bears, you know, talking about that the ACL reconstruction is done arthroscopically, little mm -hmm. poke holes, minimally invasive, whereas the LCL posterior lateral corner reconstruction is done, th so those ligaments are on the outside of the joint, can't mm -hmm. see them from the inside arthroscopically, and those are done through a big open incision. I mean, it's a big, long yeah. incision on the outside of your knee. And there's some other structures there that are at risk too. And one particular structure is a big nerve right. that basically controls your ability to pull your toes and your ankle up and your foot up towards your towards your head. Mm -hmm. And that's a, called the common perineal nerve. Yeah. There's cases where people Sometimes get it's hit. out yeah. just from it's, the injury. It gets injured just from the stretch of the injury mm -hmm. because your ligaments go and it stretches this nerve. Nerves are these are like really soft kind of weak tissues. They're not structurally strong. Mm -hmm. And if that gets stretched very often, that nerve will go to sleep. And that means the function of that nerve, whether it be sensation or muscle strength, will, will go away for a period of time. And that, that could be a permanent thing in some yeah. cases. Sometimes it and wakes up, sometimes deal. it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then when we do surgery, we have to actually find that nerve. Explore. And, and you know, make sure there's no you know, scar tissue around it or anything yeah. tethering it. Even if there isn't an injury to it, we have to find it to protect yeah. it when we do the surgery and we move it out of the way. And then we basically do the reconstruction. There, so there's definitely a, a big differential in approaches when it comes to this combination. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I kind of think of this as a career ender for athletes, uh, unfortunately. Wow. There's not a lot of great. Frequently. Yeah. There's not a lot of great literature on, on return to sport after this. I think but, we talked about once before with you where, yeah. you know, there. There's well, they, a lot tried going. Hide, they tried to hide it from us when, right. when he yeah. first got hurt. They, they told us that he didn't. Yeah. He just had an ACL, and, he had some, <laughs> yeah. and then we see this scar on the outside of his knee, and we knew something else was yeah. going on. Yeah. And you know, and another he, and notable player that had this was RG3. He was one of yeah. my favorites. Yeah. Right. You know, really guy that I think uh, great guy. Everybody was rooting for him, mm. and never came back. Never, never, never was the same. Back. Not right. even never close to being the same yeah. as he was before the injury. While I brought up Wentz, the, to backtrack a little bit, and I'm almost afraid to go down this rabbit hole, but correct me if I'm wrong. Wentz played another play, or or something, right? There was some speculation yeah, whether a good I don't. I gotta be honest with you, I don't remember. There he was did. something. I remember like him like going through it, and then you literally see his knee shift as he's walking. Uh, you know, there was I like a two point that. conversion, yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe yeah. they did or something. Either way, right, right, right. I do. I, I will probably never forget watching him walk up the tunnel and wondering what was going on. I remember that. Yeah. Much different. That was heartbreaking. Much different right. ending there for Danny Green, where right. let's say he's writhing in pain. There's the video of him being carried off. A any indication why that would be? Is it, and if it's going down a rabbit hole of like. No, mentality, I level of toughness. No, I, think, I mean, yeah, yeah, football players are tougher than basketball players. Right, right. <laughs> no, no question. But every time. There are also different degrees of this injury. Yeah. Right? So I, I, I thrown out the, the, the term grade one, right, for an isolated LCL. So 
we, we tend to grade them one to five millimeters of opening when you stress it, it'll be grade one, five to 10, grade two, and grade to 10 will be grade three. Yeah. Right. In some scenarios, and I don't know what the, the Carson Wentz scenario was, right? But maybe that's a complete ACL tear with a grade one or two LCL. But maybe in this scenario, and we, we're not privy to this, we don't know the details, we weren't on right. the court, and we don't have access to his medical records. But maybe this was a you know complete ACL with a grade three LCL. Yeah. And I gotta tell you, man, when, like when you're examining that as, as the doc, it just opens. There's yeah, there's, like there's no end point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. it's kind of yeah. scary. And like could, so yeah, and it could be that or it could be that football players are tougher than <laughs> and, it, and it could be that. Yeah. It could be that. That could be that. Yeah. When we talk about the ACL LCL combination, how does the rehab component change in terms of initial rehab? whether it be ACL, MCL, or just straight ACL? Because we talked a lot about the ACL rehab with Jess Harrison, yeah. episode 15. Yeah, so it's it's much it's much slower. Mm -hmm. uh, it's much more delicate. And, you know, oftentimes I, I kind of explain to patients that when you're doing multiple things at the same time, there may be competing elements of their rehab. That's and right. what you should or shouldn't do for one may yeah. be what you need to do for the other. Right. And then you have to find a balance between them that works well. And then they have you to see be that with MCL, I think. Yeah. 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 Same thing with MCL. I tend to be fairly restrictive in mm -hmm. the beginning. Definitely brace for at least, you know, six weeks to potentially beyond that. I am protecting their weight bearing because when you put weight bearing stress on a joint that can cause some stress to the reconstructive ligaments. It's a slower initial rehab. Mm -hmm. But the timeline for ultimate healing is similar. Yeah. Right? So we basically wait until these ligaments have kind of gotten sticky enough where we put them. And then we want to be able to see their strength and their functional balance and all these things start to come back. There's some really interesting studies now that are showing, you know, with ACLs that we're not really waiting for the ACL grafts to heal fully yeah. before we let them start to get back. It's suggested right now that it takes probably about two years for those reconstructions to fully heal and kind of remodel and be, become effectively the, Good luck the, selling the, the true yeah the true a, new acl so what we're really finding is that at about nine months which is where most athletes start to come back from acls is that that's when they can demonstrate functional strength and protection of the joint movement in a way that doesn't put the graphs at risk as it continues to remodel and heal over the next you know year and change right right so but it's, yeah it's, you know the ultimate timeline I think what you're alluding to, I don't know that there is a definitive timeline established in that scenario. For combo. For that combo, no, I totally yeah. agree. Uh, you know, I, I would it's say- It's part of the probably, art. Yeah, it's part of the art, and maybe more this nine to 12 months mm -hmm. scenario, but it really is part of the art. It's, it's not dramatically different. And and, 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 and like you said, the, for, for the rehab portion of it, it's, it's sort of walking the fine line, the tightrope between two options. Yeah, yeah, you're trying to balance a lot of things. Right. You seem to have a pessimistic view on the overall outcome, right, of, of, of athletes' future. And we, we mentioned yeah. Carson Wentz and RG3. Right. You know, Danny Green turns 35 this June. Mm. So, yeah. you know, taking that into consideration, you know, what does his future look like? If you had to get, I mean, speculate. Uh, from a professional sports standpoint? or Yeah. Or from from just a, yeah from a, from a, let's talk about, like, yeah. do we see him in a Sixers uniform next no. year? Yeah. Wow. I'm going to say no on that. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to NBC. Yeah. yeah. No, I, you know, I mean, is, is, you mentioned it's possibly career ending. Most times at, it yeah. is yeah. at that level. Yeah. So the thing that most studies have shown us now is that the more 
elite the athlete, the less likely they are to come back after ligament injuries. And mm. then you add in a multiple ligament injury, and we don't know. We don't, yeah. we don't know what his perineal nerve's doing. We don't know right. if he had an issue with that. Right. Maybe that's why he hurt so bad. Maybe yeah. he stretched his nerve or damaged yeah. something else. Yeah. You know, they don't give us all those inf- you know pieces of information. We're not as treating physicians. We always kind of make sure we make a point of saying that. And that's a scary thing, man. If you, mm. you look down and you're trying to raise your foot, raise your ankle, and it's not moving. Yeah. yeah. That's a scary yeah. thing. Yeah. I'm going to say, you know, if I had to yeah. put money on the table, he's he's potentially done. And mm-hmm. the reality is the goal is for him to get back to just be a functional person. Yeah. yeah. And, and, yeah. and, you know, have a, I, I talk to athletes all the time that, you know, every athlete's going to have their last game. And we can't just think about our surgeries and our rehab getting you back to that sport. We also have to think about let's give you a good leg for the rest of your life. Right. First, I mean, 35 is really young. I mean, yeah. he's still going to have a long, I don't know if he has family or kids yeah. or anything. Like, you know, got to yeah. be able to do all the right. important things in life, chase your kids. And, yeah. and at that point, you're 35 years old as a basketball player. He's, a, he's had a good career, right? He's yeah. a good player. Yeah. They it, certainly missed him when he went down. I mean, he had, a, he had a good game three and game four there. And, you know. And, you know, for, for, for the Sixers, depth is kind of an issue at this particular yeah. point. So, so that... That's a particularly impactful injury. But at 35 years old, your career's probably right. pretty, right. pretty kind of near the end anyway. Yeah. And then you have an injury like this, where it's going to at least be a year, like nine months. Yeah, no, probably say a year. more like a year. Yeah, right. Sure. And then, then he's 36. Like, and and he's th- you know, yeah, yeah. He's 36, just, and you got young, hungry guys coming out of D1 programs in college who right. are ready to fill those shoes. Yeah. And I just don't see it. I ha- think, unfortunately, be realistic i don't see it happening pretty unlikely i don't have that conversation with athletes right uh, at this phase i would never say that to him yeah. sure i hope he's not listening right <laughs> right right but you know and i How tell him look, our be? goal is to get you a good knee for the rest of your life yeah and to try to have you be a functional active person and then if we can get you back to that sport that you love great right and here's right. the stats and i give him the numbers and then and then we go from there and then we just try to be optimistic the rest yeah. of the way. And yeah. Yeah. And hope goes a long way. He's going right. to work that much harder. He's going to, you know, he's going to have a great to team there. of people around him. Right. But I think it's, I hate to say somewhat of a long, sh- not a long shot. It's a tough one to get back from mm-hmm. same level of play. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not, maybe, you know, maybe getting back, but not being quite the same player you were, but it's a tough one to get back from same level of play as it is. You add on 35 years old in a sport like basketball. Yeah. And it becomes a real long shot. Yeah, if you look at the NFL stats for just an isolated ACL, it's 50%, 55%. Right. Mm-hmm. Can't get back. Right. Yeah. So then you add an extra complex LCL. multi-ligament injury to it, age. Right. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Doc, uh, our last episode that we released, we did this like Mythbusters thing, and we got a great response from our listening yeah, audience. That was great. Um, Thanks, yeah, it was actually, you know, very well received from apparently. So I, I have one for you then. Uh-oh. We talked about, you know, adding this in to the specialist. Yeah. Most people kind of seem to know or understand that you can't get an MRI too quickly because if they're swelling, that could kind of, you know, misinterpret the readings, I guess, for you guys. Yeah. In which case, how did Danny Green get an MRI that next day? You know, it's is, is, is that true? Is it, you know, I, I'm going to say that's a bit of a myth. Yeah. So what we see on an MRI when you have an injury like this is there's a significant amount of inflammation, bleeding, damage, mm-hmm. fluid, all these inflammation, you know, responses to an injury. Extra edema. Extra, yeah, yeah, yeah. Edema. Yeah. Inflammation. All this. And so what an MRI looks like is in general. Normal tissues, collagen is like it's this dark black kind mm-hmm. of color. 
So a normal ligament is like a deep black kind of mm -hmm. color. When it's injured, it starts to have, let's say, a partial injury. It starts to show these little white mm -hmm. stipples through it, this white kind Hard. of, these white linear signals. And that white is fluid or inflammation mm -hmm. or discontinuity of the actual black collagen structures. Right. As it gets worse, you see a, a white gap between two black ends, which basically is a torn ligament. So when you can, when you add in an ACL and then maybe a bone bruise, maybe a, you know these other three structures that we talked about in the, in the posterior lateral corner, and then you add in some bleeding, which is going to show up as, as fluid. It, all of a sudden, you're looking at this MRI, and it looks like all this white, where there should normally be this black or gray kind of normal structure. And sometimes it is hard to see, yeah. but the reality is. Generally, a, a well-trained musculoskeletal radiologist or an orthopedic sports medicine guy who's normally looking at, or girl, is looking at MRIs, is able to see it. So I, I personally, it doesn't, for me, it doesn't, um, time to injury doesn't limit my my request to get an MRI. So in this scenario where you have this traumatic injury, I think it's the right thing to get it early, right? Mm -hmm. right? Whether it's done a, the next day, which is what happens for Danny Green, if it's done in four or five days later, which is what happens for the average individual right. with this particular yeah, type of injury. I think there are definitely situations, though, where if you don't go to the MRI too soon because you don't want the overread or the overcall. Yeah, 30% of, of things that show up on an MRI don't necessarily correlate right, with what right, right, right. We're, we're looking for. Right, yeah, exactly. But in this situation... A yeah. bomb went off in his knee, yeah. and we need to know what that bomb did. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I totally agree with you, Steve, because yeah. I, I always tell patients, you know, one of the, we 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 treat, you know, patients that work with residents, and we work at some of the teaching institutions around, and you know, I always tell the residents treat the patient, not the picture, right? Because very often you'll see things on the MRI that have no correlation with the exam. That's why it's really important to do the exam and listen 100%. to the history. And how did people get hurt? We always talk about mechanism. Yeah, those things are all critical. So you can't just go by the MRI. And I think that's important for patients to understand too. Because and on a similar note, yeah, you know, we get all the we get not all the time. We get frequently we'll get, you know, you go through, you, you see someone, you send them to get the MRI, and they just want you just just call me back and tell me what the MRI said, and I will say like like. The truth is, I look at the MRI, I examine you again, right. I look at the MRI again, like, like, it really is beneficial to have you yeah. here. Every because so I'm often I do that, but most of the time I like to bring people back. Right, right. Occasionally you can, but, but it's very beneficial, it's very helpful to be able to correlate. Is this one of the 30%, like this has nothing to do with the reason why yeah. the person's here, but it's just something I see on yeah. the MRI, and, and you can clarify that with the clinical yeah. exam. But cartilage damage is, is, is an example of that. There's an estimate that about 40% of knee arthroscopies that we do, where we go in to look at, you know, a meniscus tear or whatever, yeah. we'll see cartilage damage in the knee that has nothing to do with why we're there. Right. And too often, I think sometimes people try to start to address that. Yeah, you can't address everything. Yeah. Sometimes you, you the can't start chasing things that aren't there. The reason not that we're there. Yeah. yeah. So you got to leave that alone and and, and take care of. What I think in the for. shoulder, that's the most common. You see it all the time. Yeah. There's a lot of weird things in the shoulder. Since it's been about, you know, a, a decent amount of time since we had you on, um, did you want to talk about the Energy Lab at all? Any, any yeah. kind of updates on that? Yeah, Energy Lab's um, really, really been doing really well. I, I'm still really surprised and I don't want to say disappointed, but I'm going to say disappointed that our strength coach hasn't been on. <laughs> <laughs> what on yeah. earth? What so, the hell, Mike? Uh, for those of you who don't know, our strength coach is Mike Vitas. He's our director of, you know, athlete development and, and Great guy and a little soft-spoken. Fantastic guy, yeah. Fantastic yeah, soft guy. Soft-spoken, carries a big stick a few kind of guy. Words, yeah. yeah. 
and uh, but really, really smart when it comes to blending, you know, some of the medical integration of, of injury prevention and and uh, and and how to lift and work out. I mean, we we've had some really high level athletes come in. Yeah. You know, one was a, a Olympic caliber weightlifter, and um, and I think he taught her some things that yeah. maybe uh, helped her through. And you know, for him to be able to share that with that level of athlete is really great. So I think that just speaks to who he is. And but you know, we we really want to emphasize that we treat everybody. So it's not you know, you don't have to be an Olympic caliber athlete. Everybody, kids, my kids go over there with them. They're 11. I have twin boys. Yeah. They are learning to move correctly, and they're not doing um, bench press and um, you know squats with weights. They're they're just learning how to move right. The Although way. he may argue he, the opposite. Yeah, from time to time. about moving correctly. No, 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 no. Like some some of the uh, weightlifting stuff. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, no, no. He's yeah. I mean, you know, but I mean, uh, he's got young kids too, which is great. So he's. My point is, you know, he does. A great job with adults, high-level mm-hmm. athletes, recreational athletes, weekend warriors, and uh, yeah, we're, we're we're really happy with and it. And he really just spearheaded it. We did a eight-week you know training session with one of our organizations that we're affiliated with, and then that stemmed into a couple of teams wanted a little bit more. Yeah, you know that was a combination of strength and conditioning, injury prevention, speed and agility, the whole thing. Yeah, and, and, and so I, it's I think, been really fun for you know even me to watch that blossom from six teams to 11 to yeah. 20 you know right. things like that and and he runs the whole program yeah uh, he takes so much of the work off of my shoulders in terms of here's the program for today you know yeah. and and, and, and everything is just so well you know it's all based by science yeah and it's not it's not easy to make no. it's not easy to create uh no. you know progressive strength training programs or you know conditioning or performance programs yeah. and there's a lot of again art we talk about the art of medicine there's definitely 100%. a lot of that in, in sports performance and you know, who's the athlete you're working with. And, and those are all really fun things for us. He's done a really good job. And, you know, I think those, uh, the fact that those teams are coming back for extra yeah. training is a testament mm-hmm. that, that he's gotten them good results. And, yep. you know, so, uh, yeah, come see us. Cool. Well, before we go ahead and close out our tab, we want to take a moment to thank all of our other sponsors, Reconstructive Orthopedics with our eight locations and focused on new approach, covering all of your orthopedic needs. Neck of the Woods Brewing Company, located right here at 614 Lambs Road, Pittman, New Jersey. I uh, want to give a shout out to our bartender, Brian. I uh, hope you're doing well, and we hope to see you down here soon. Thanks, buddy. And, uh, and as always, our good friends at Timber Real Productions, Kyle Miller doing a great job with the editing of episodes week to week. Thanks a lot for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time.